Hello, 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 hello. Yay! <laughs> And every single thing so far that has happened from the prayer meeting to the worship has kind of went along with the message that I want to share today. And um, yeah, I, I just really think it's, it's the hand of the Lord that, that does that because it, it really goes, to, goes together. So I have a short message for us today because I, I want to leave some time afterwards for, for prayer and um, Maybe there's a lot of people that need prayer and are not open enough to ask for it. But this afternoon, I really want to leave some time for that. Because as the saints together, as a body of believers together, this is one of the, the main points why we are together, is to carry each other's burdens. And if you distance yourself from the gathering of the saints, then you are left behind. You've got nobody to share. From the, the book of Acts in the early church, it was the main focus is to, to have things in common and, and to share your burdens. So, I've titled this short message, Sin and Forgiveness. And I might jump around here and there, and you will think by yourself, but why is he jumping from this end to the other? But I promise you, I will, I will tie everything up in the end. Um, you know, many of you guys already know my story, some of the things that in my past that led me to be here at church with you today. And um, as my cousin was saying today to me, I believe that every single thing that happens in your life, that has happened in your life, has brought you here today to sit where you are right now. And all your experiences in your life, you can use that, whether it was good or bad experiences. And I never thought at my most vulnerable time, at about 10 years ago, when I drove from Pretoria to Cape Town, that it was a very low time of my life that I would one day stand and share a message to a church. Um, <laughs> now, Natcha and I was quite new believers, and we belonged to a church called New Life. Anybody remember New Life and Dimitri and, and Karen? And I think it was our third Sunday that we were at church, and Dimitri started preaching, and the next thing he started preaching about sin and forgiveness, and then he said, please, can you make little groups of four and six people and turn to each other and start to, to confess your sins to each other and ask for prayer? So can I just ask can you guys maybe? <laughs> that was a very daunting Sunday, especially if it's only your third Sunday as a, as a new believer. We did make those little circles. And of course, Dimitri joined the circle we were sitting in. <laughs> there was a lot of people that spoke about anger management and, you know, maybe some superficial little sins that everybody could kind of relate to and or less. But there was very few people that actually spoke about real things. So 
I would never forget that Sunday. And I was angry at Dimitri. I really was. But today, in hindsight, I must confess, I do believe and I understand what he was trying to demonstrate. Because if you carry something in your heart, it has got a very, very, um, what is the right word? It's, it's, a, it's a negative impact on your life. If, you have, if you've got a sin that you nurture, or if you've committed something years ago, nobody knows about it. Now you are walking with the Lord. That sin of yours can still grow from a seed to a tree. Now you're dragging this tree with you. you are, you're following you at church. You're following Jesus. But once you are able to let go and confess and ask for repentance, it is a magical moment. And I will never forget. This time it was Andrew Selly that said, one day when we are going to be at the great judgment day, your personal little movie is going to play there for everybody to see. How would you feel if everybody sees what you've done, good and bad? The difference is, if you come clean to your wife, to your friends, to the church, to your children, I've done this, please forgive, I've done so and so. So by the time that your movie shows, everybody will say, oh yeah, of course, yeah, I remember that. Long time you've repented of that. But what I'm trying to say is, if you don't do that, if you don't confine, this is one of the magical things of the gathering of the saints, is that this is a place where we are helping each other. If you, if you battle to pray, you can grab someone's hand and say, pray with me. Prayer is so powerful. I'm sorry, Natasha, I'm going to pick on you. My dear wife, in the beginning, seven years ago, we were praying on a WhatsApp group. She was so petrified to pray that she wrote her prayers down and she read it. Today, she's a prayer warrior of note. You can't, you, when she starts praying, you're like, okay, well, <laughs> darling, we want to eat. Can you? The food is getting cold. But it's the power of prayer that does that because she realized that prayer is not something that you just, oh, I must say these words and these five lines, okay, I'm done. Prayer is a, a conversation. Prayer is a complete relationship. The same way you tell your partner how your day was, you can tell that to God. Prayer is not something that is just, I need to say these few words. Then you're missing the point. Um, so, sin and forgiveness. I had a lot of sin when I moved to Cape Town. And one of the biggest sins that I've committed, and I can stand here today and I can say, yeah, but I had to do this or I was this way because of all the stuff that happened to me. Shame, look at me. This is why I had to do this sin. But in order to come clean, I can't say that. One of the biggest sins that I've done in my life was that I was an absent father. For the very first few years of my, um, my oldest son's life. And I had to ask God forgiveness for that. And I carried that burden for a long, long time as being an absent father. 
But the moment I asked forgiveness, rocks fell off my shoulders. Big, big rocks fell off my shoulder. I felt... <sighs> that was step one. Because the same way that God has forgiven me, God has also put it on my heart to speak to my son Dylan. He was already in his 20s at the time. So one day again I was in Pretoria and I sat him down and I asked his forgiveness. I told him. And I didn't say to him I was an absent father because oh, all these things that happened to me and I couldn't. And I said, I'm sorry. You know what he said to me? He said, Dad, I love you. Rocks fell off my shoulders. Again. So, something may be completely not related, but I have to add this just to prove a point. Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God and the church what belongs to God and the church. So as part of my journey, my rebel years back in Pretoria, one of the last years was the year of 2014. I was working as a tour guide. I was not registered officially with any company, and I was making bags load of money paid directly into my account from the tour operators. So I wasn't on the books. SARS doesn't know about me. And I left it. Fast forward 10 years later, a few months ago, I started receiving emails. From whom? From SARS. Hello. This is unrelated to church business, but I'm trying to prove a point. What did I do? I even spoke to Tony about it. I spoke to my accountant. But deep down in my heart, I knew I did the wrong thing. It doesn't matter if SARS uses the money for corruption. That's irrelevant. I owed the money. So together with my accountant, I looked at my 10,000 rand fine for not paying taxes for 10 years for that specific year, plus the thousands of rands that I owed them, and it was Aina. But I paid it. What happened? Rocks. The last rocks fell off my shoulders, and I went... <gasps> What did I do? I actually committed a sin. I stole. There's my second sin for, this, for today. I stole from the government. But I made it right. I came clean. And I can stand here and many people will think, well, how can you say this to us? But this is what God wants from us. God wants you to come clean. And if any one of you now want to think less of me, then so be it. I don't care. Because what matters more then your integrity in front of God. I don't care what you guys think of me, but there's a day will come that I'm going to stand in that white, great white throne judgment and my little movie is going to play up there and I don't want to be ashamed. The same way as what Andrew said, that he used drugs, but he stopped that and he started a church movement called Joshua Generation. There's going to be in his movie, but everybody in the church will say, oh yeah, you told us about that. Thank you. We prayed about it. So, I'm sorry to bring up such, but I'm saying you have to confront your fear. And there's no reason to be shy because each and every single one of us sitting here has got something that you can tell someone else. Something that you're hiding. 
even if you haven't done it for 10 years. I stole the money from SARS 10 years ago. I was an absent father 10 years ago. But I can still today say I'm sorry and confess. Give it with a happy heart. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And it works in a funny way. The more you give, the more you get. It's just the way it works. You give a smile, you get three. You give money away, you get double the amount back in some weird way. It just happens the way. But the more you cling to it, the more you don't want to give anybody a hug or a smile, the more life mirrors your, re- your reaction to the world. It's one of those cosmic laws that God put in the universe. The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another and be free. I can testify that today, and it is true. But today, at the end of the service, I want to give chance for anybody to come to the light. If there's something that is bothering you, today is the day that you can confess. You don't have to do it in front of the church. You can grab someone's hand and go and stand in a corner. Or you can just come in the front and ask for prayer. But you have to let go. And, you know, stealing, gossip, pride, pornography, anger, drugs, sex before marriage. The list is absolutely endless. And the more you cling to it, the more it will influence your life. At the end of the day, service will make a time for that, for prayer. Then again, jumping around totally unrelated. Many of you guys know that I became a grandfather sometime back on the 27th of December. But you know what? I was an absent father for so many years. I made it right. I asked for forgiveness. Today, my son Dylan and I are like this. But when I went to Pretoria and Nacha and I was holding our grandson in our arms, I cried. Why? Because God gave me a second chance to be a father. Although as a grandfather, I got another chance. <laughs> and it is the most amazing thing to be able to, to hold that little baby and look at him, and you just, what goes through your mind is like, how can anybody deny the fact of a creator? How can you do that? And, I mean, since we came back, our lives have changed in a different way. And um, I want to thank God for that. I'm a grandfather. I've got a second chance. The, the, the nice thing is, the parent is supposed to Raise the child. The grandparent can spoil the child. (laughs) So, it's a new start. So, my friends, a new year is upon us. And we all have a choice to make. Every single day we have a choice to make. Is today going to be a day that I'm going to give in to that old sin that I'm clinging to? Or is today the day that I'm going to walk with the Lord? Is today the day that I'm going to phone up a friend and ask for prayer? And the chances that that friend is going to say, thank you for confiding in me. Let me tell you what I did. It's very good. If you, are, if you are honest with one another, we will all have conversations. So be bold and do that. I want to go back to Dimitri and the New Life Church, which had such an impact on our lives in the beginning. But at the time, we were going over from New Life to Joshua Generation. And my brother 
introduced me to another gentleman called Torben Sondergaard. He's a, a gentleman from Denmark. He's a pastor. And he uh, read the book of Acts. And because he read the book of Acts, he started a church called the Last Reformation. So when I was introduced to Joshua Generation, and I heard that they based their church on the book of Acts, I said, this is a match. Unfortunately, this gentleman has been locked up for about three years, I think. He was recently released because of hate speech. There are people in Denmark that arrested him because he told people about the gospel on the streets of Denmark. That was hate speech. Which brings me to Christian persecution. I don't understand sometimes some Christians were saying, well, where's the persecution in our country? People are getting locked up for their faith. But Torben Sonnegaard had a big impact on my life. And it was just a confirmation that we had to join Joshua generation because of the book of Acts. But I realized I'm partner of New Life. It's seven years ago. And suddenly I felt actually quite ashamed. Because all these years, I didn't really read the Bible. I don't know the Bible. And I was trying to play catch-up. And I wanted to do it fast. And then I kind of missed the boat a little bit. Because I got hung up on trivial issues. And it bothered me so, so much. I'm part now of the church. And I started asking different questions. And I couldn't understand why some people in the church, here in New Life and other Christians that I've asked, does not give me the same answers as what I'm hoping to get. First question I also asked them is, what do you as a Christian believe? How old is the earth? Some people say, well, no, it's six and a half thousand years. Some people say it's millions of years. Some say six million years. And I thought, but, but we're all Christians. Why, why do you give me different answers? It doesn't matter. Then I asked a question about the rapture. Is there going to be a pre-tribulation rapture? Is it going to be a post-tribulation rapture? Is it going to be a mid-tribulation rapture? Is it going to be a, a rapture at all? <laughs> then I start asking people, but you've got a King James. You've got an ESV. And, and some people say, but I only use the King James. You should never read anything else. And other people say, you should only use the ESV. <laughs> but you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. Yes. Can you see how this is confusing for a new, for a new Christian? And I, and I realized by myself, but I, I, I cannot stand here and preach for two hours and quote scripture like Peter dropping scripture every two seconds. I'm not on that level. Kudos to you, my friend. Am I able, as a Christian, should I know the Bible, like back to front? Then I started thinking about... <gasps> What if an atheist is coming to speak to me? Can I defend my faith? Tony, please give us more um, apologetics teachings. I, I, I need more knowledge. I was really, really in a fix. Why are some Christians so nonchalant about Christian persecution? What do you do when Christian persecution is going to reach your door? Are you only going to start thinking about it then? Or are you going to prepare for it now already? Another big one is why are some people, a Christian at church on a Sunday but a non-Christian on a Monday morning in the office when the bad jokes run around and they're making fun of Christians. Are you then the Christian that sings in the corner and say nothing? Or are you a Christian on Monday as well? And on Tuesday and on Wednesday? My personal favorite. 
There's Auntie Hazel. How deep into the end times are we? <laughs> are we in the end times at all? Or is the end times only coming in a thousand years? I had anxiety. As a young Christian, I had anxiety. But don't worry, I won't go into too many doom and gloom. Nacho made me promise that I will not speak about the end times for too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, Roman, can I ask you maybe to come up so long? Um, what really matters? What really matters? It doesn't matter if the world is 6 billion or 6,000 years old. What matters is whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if there's a pre- or a post-trip rapture. What matters is if you realize that we need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't matter if you use the King James or the ESV Bible translation. The gospel stays the same. What matters is if you believe the gospel. You can read the gospel in the King James or the ESV. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can quote scripture like a seasoned pastor. What matters is if you believe the scriptures. It doesn't matter if the end times are now or the end times are going far in the future. What matters is if you believe in Jesus. If you have repented your sin and returned from your wicked ways. What matters is if you're walking with Jesus every single day. Not just on Sundays. But on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays as well. What matters is if you believe in Jesus. If you've repented of your sin and returned, turned from your wicked ways. What matters is if you're walking with Jesus. I'm not going to ask you maybe just to put these words up. Can you all just read with me the first verse? Read it out. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. When you leave your old life behind and you start your new life as a Christian, your eyes open up. You see the world for what the world is. But you have to take that step. You have to take the first step. You have to ask for forgiveness. You have to learn how to pray. So, the love of children, I asked my son Dylan to forgive me. And his answer was, I love you, Dad. So if there's an, any parent here today that feel that you've wronged one of your children, I invite you to go to your child and ask for forgiveness and name your sin, let it be out and then pray together. You will be absolutely astonished at your child's heart and what that would mean to them. Don't let it go. My friend Robbie from Clarksdorp had a fight with his friend. They didn't speak for two weeks. Two weeks later, his friend passed away from a heart attack. He's 45 years old. Robbie phones me crying. He said he wanted to go to his buddy and make up. Today his buddy is not there anymore. The love of parents. I went to my parents and I told them 
I asked him. I said, I was a bad child. I did all these things wrong. You know what they said? I love you, my child. They opened their arms, and it's all forgiven. But I had to go to God, and I had to say to God, I did X, Y, and Z. I had to say it out loud. God forgave me. God can forgive you too. Tony taught me the concept of an uncomfortable silence. And I'm going to now start an uncomfortable silence. Because I believe that in the same spirit that a father can go to his child and ask for forgiveness, a child can also go to the parent and ask for forgiveness. In the same spirit that an adult can go just to God and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you've wronged someone in the church, maybe you've wronged someone at work. But if you feel in your heart that today you want to ask someone for forgiveness on whatever level, don't be shy. If anybody wants to come up here to pray, you're welcome. If somebody wants to go, just stand up and ask your community leader to go to one of the corners with you. But you cannot leave this. If you've been sitting here and something has been in your heart, that's been eating at your heart, something that you've said, you've done, even if it's 10 years ago, if it's something as silly as not paying your taxes, which in effect is theft, if you really think about it. When the rocks fall off your shoulders, it is something you cannot describe. It's, it's, you've been in jail. Jesus came to set the captives free, and this is one of the reasons. This is how He wants you to come to Him. It's not easy to do that. It wasn't easy to ask for Dylan. It wasn't easy to stand here and tell you that I've been a thief, that I was a bad father. But I did receive forgiveness. And that same forgiveness can come to you today. So I want to open up. And if there's people that want to come here for prayer, or there's somebody that wants to grab someone's hand and go to the corner. But we are here as believers to help each other. You are not alone in this. I thought I was alone. And you're not. I was a thief. And I was an absent father. Let's close our eyes.
Jacques has made a very bold call this afternoon and I don't think we want to miss the moment. He's been vulnerable. The Bible says that there's no condemnation in Christ. And so too we as believers cannot condemn one another.